0: Welcome to the Women's Wellbeing Academy podcast brought to you by the University of New South Wales, Sydney. This series explores the impact of COVID-19 on various aspects of women's health and wellbeing. Hello, I'm Eileen Baldry and you're about to listen to an episode of the Women's Wellbeing Academy podcast on gender diverse women. I'm in conversation with Eloise Brooke to discuss the wellbeing of trans and gender diverse women in COVID-19. Eloise is a writer, advocate and academic, and she is the media manager for the New South Wales Gender Centre. She's a podcaster, writer and speaker, and she's worked as a researcher and lecturer into public health policy and political science. Eloise has published on queer and transgender families in television, researched on public health and public policy around transgender people. She's written for The Guardian, The Conversation, Overland, And Archer magazine on the intersection of trans and the media. Thank you so much for joining me Eloise. I'd like us first to explore just what being a trans and gender diverse woman means and then how does being a trans and gender diverse woman differ from the experience of cisgender.
1: Yeah, so <laughs> that's a they're, they're tough questions. I think I would say that if there was a common experience for gender diverse women, trans and gender diverse women, it is that they or we experience gender differently from the gender that we arrived on the planet in and that we find a way to transition to the gender identity that we are most comfortable with and that we, that we feel really expresses who we are. Now, that is a range of identities. As with cis women, there is an extraordinary range of what it means to be a woman. And so trans women fit within that group or under that umbrella to some degree and the expression of identity is very diverse.
0: I wonder whether you could just make sure that our listeners know what you mean by cis women.
1: Yes. So the term cis, cis women versus a trans and gender diverse woman, we use this term to identify that there are women whose experience of gender matches how they were born. So cis women are natal women, women who have only ever identified or experienced gender as women. And trans and gender diverse women are women who arrive at their identity on a much kind of bumpier or difficult road.
0: And so if those of us who are, are listening to this and, and wanting to have this conversation with you are thinking about, if for example, I as a, a cis woman, I don't really have any idea how being a trans and gender diverse woman affects my daily life and how people respond and react and so I imagine that this may it may have been even more difficult pre-COVID and during COVID so maybe you could explore a bit what this looked like for trans and gender diverse women pre-COVID-19.
1: Yeah so there are a lot of trans women out there who identify as women and who pass through the world for all intents and purposes as women so their experience of what it means to be a woman is most likely very similar to other women's experiences of it so they or we or however they identify they're very fortunate to to be able to pass so not much focus falls upon um, trans women who are, su- are successfully able to pass. So where a lot of the conflict arises and discrimination arises is when there are trans women and gender diverse women who don't conform or are not readily recognisable as identifying as women or the signals that that are read around their identity are perceived to be non-normative or confusing. And for those trans and gender diverse women, they experience extra degrees of discrimination. It's really hard to pin down the line between where passing starts and stops and when gender diversity and gender expression happens. It's, it's in a lot of ways, it's a, almost a meaningless term, but it's useful to talk about in terms of getting A wider audience to understand some of the issues that are happening. So, trans and gender diverse women can experience the same kinds of discrimination that cisgender women experience. And then there are some trans and gender diverse women who might experience that on top of other kinds of discriminations. Now, traditionally, trans and gender diverse women have been one of the most marginalised sections of, of society and community in Australia. And that means that there is an experience of increased chances of violence, certainly in in public, that means lower opportunities for employment, and that can often mean homelessness as well. And often these kinds of disadvantages clump together in a lot of way to to affect trans and gender diverse
0: women. Yeah, so so this brings up for me the question about, or the observation, I suppose, and I'd, I'd like you to comment on it, that we've become very aware over the last 30, 40 years of the importance of understanding intersectionality or the accumulation of forms of discrimination or disadvantage in one person's life and being. And so for a trans and gender diverse woman who is a woman of colour, maybe a woman with disability and so on what are their lives like and what sorts of things should we as a society be really really well aware of in trying to ensure that in general those intersections don't make for even greater discrimination yeah that's a really tough one
1: you know I work at the gender center I'm the media manager and the gender center it's been around for about 35 years And we are the organisation that is a safety net for some of the most disadvantaged. And the intersections of race, trans identity, are really, really apparent. Disability is also a concern, though we don't really see as much. Culturally and linguistically diverse trans women are also some of the most disadvantaged. And it's, I suppose, the invisibility around what it means to, to have these kind of multiple intersections of disadvantage that is, is of concern. I think the, the way that it plays out most harmfully for the community is I suppose the way that the media represents trans and diverse people, young people, and adults, and the way that that has an effect on wellbeing being on resilience. I think like a lot of people, a trans identity can burden in some ways. The experience of being trans does have some obvious disadvantages for, for a lot of trans people, but those difficulties are made worse by the way that trans people are represented. And I think that if, if there was one thing that we could point to that would help the trans and gender diverse community, it would be a way of perhaps rolling back or or calling out the way that sections of the media present information and stereotypes around trans and gender diverse people on one hand it creates an environment of judgment and and often violence as well but on the other hand too it reinforces isolation and it causes or amplifies mental health and resilience issues for trans and gender diverse people. So obviously doing something about the media is, is a difficult thing. But I think too that allies, people finding ways to inform themselves around issues to do with trans and gender diverse women is really important. There's nothing quite like the experience for a trans and gender diverse person of an ally, or someone who is willing to to recognise that their gender is is a legitimate expression of who they are. One of the main problems, and this this transcends pre-COVID nineteen and into COVID nineteen, that is the way that trans and gender diverse people who pass through the world experience microaggressions and discriminations on a daily if not hourly basis so if you can imagine that you leave your door and you're feeling happy and cheerful about yourself and you step out the door and within five minutes you've got someone looking at you strangely or commenting you go to the shops you catch a bus you do the day-to-day things and along that journey of doing them you experience these types of um, distrust or aggressions or or judgments. And if you can imagine that in your own life, you can see how over time and even a short period of time, that good mood that you had when you left your house has slowly been eroded to one of distress and that your resilience has kind of been worn down. Now, if you take that and you apply that to every day of the week, for a lot of trans people, it is an indication of the kinds of load that are placed upon trans and diverse women in particular. So that's why I talk about the media and that's why I talk about the importance of allyship as well.
0: Mm. We might come back a little to both of those key areas towards the end, but you've started to open up then, given that Australia has done relatively well compared to other countries in terms of, of health with COVID-19 and that we are... You know, we, we have had lockdown, but we are slowly starting to come out of that. Is there still an issue for the well-being of trans and gender diverse women, or and has there been during COVID nineteen, and and has it been any different to the issues that they face?
1: Uh, absolutely, I think so. Isolation is a big concern, and the experience of isolation, the the uncertainty of employment. And the uncertainty of where you're going to sleep or how you're going to pay the rent, which a lot of people have experienced. There's absolutely no question about that. But we do know the transgender diverse community is, I suppose, the, the canary in the coal mine for a lot of these issues and are often closer to homelessness than many, if not most, other sections of the community. Another thing that doesn't really get discussed is young people. Now the Gender Centre sees around about 500 families every year and that usually is us helping families to stay together, helping them to navigate the bureaucracy and the system around accessing the kinds of care, health, psychological services that are needed to to shepherd through a trans and universe young person. And what, what we're seeing or what's commonly discussed in the media, is that during lockdown, there's been a spike in domestic violence. Something that isn't often considered in the way that the media portrays trans and gender diverse young people and families is that prior to COVID-19, roughly one in five of the families that we help or have helped are experiencing domestic violence and homelessness. And the template for this is usually a mum, and her trans and diverse child, and often other children as well. And so during pre-COVID-19 times, we would regularly see a high instance, one in five of the families that we deal with, are seeking services for domestic violence and homelessness. So the way that the media represents and focuses in at the moment, particularly on young people, exacerbates the kinds of tensions that arise in family and conflicts, especially around gender identity. When you think about how things have spiked during COVID-19, at the moment, we don't really have an idea of what's happening out there, especially amongst transmitted diverse families. But we we are imagining that things are, are pretty grim, that the confinement of lockdown, the tensions that are arising within families, which affect all women, are also affecting the parents and usually the mums of transgender diverse children and our transgender diverse young people who identify as female as well time will tell i guess as to as to what's actually happening out there
0: and so this really speaks to how important it is to maintain and continue to have really good contact with trans and gender diverse women and their families yeah. during this time. And have have you, has your centre been able to do that via Zoom or whatever?
1: Well, the Gender Centre is an essential service. So we've remained open during COVID-19. And we've been able to provide almost all of the services that we usually provide via Zoom. Um, our caseworkers in instances where there's crisis Housing and accommodations required. Our caseworkers have continued to work because that's been incredibly important to be able to make sure that that service continues to be provided for transgender
0: diverse people who are in need.
1: So we've we've kind of rolled on as per usual.
0: Yeah. Oh well, that's very positive to hear, and I'm sure it's of great importance to the people you work with and you yeah. your support. We might move now to some extent in in wrapping up to come back to some of the things that you discussed a little earlier, particularly around ongoing fault lines in Australia for the well-being of trans and gender diverse women and thinking through a couple of things. One, is there anything that you, uh, your centre and trans and gender diverse women themselves perhaps have learned about how to do things, uh, how to support, how to stop discrimination and so on. Have we learned to anything during COVID-19? What are the things that are still the most difficult fault lines and are there any new solutions that you're seeing?
1: Yeah, that's a really good question. I think we're in an ongoing situation and and I think we're working as hard as we can to make sure that the community stays buoyant, has a, a focus, has a, a point of contact. The one thing that we do is provide a telephone service so that, that you can call the gender centre and you can talk and we are constantly in conversation with our community to make sure things are going okay. I think that... It's still very early days to see what's happening during COVID-19, and and I think that that is probably true broadly of society. I think we only in finishing the beginning of of the COVID-19 saga. It's heartening to say that even prior to COVID-19, there's been movements within New South Wales health to find ways to better support the trans and gender diverse community, and that's been an ongoing process, which is really, really appreciated. We still need to work on the way that the trans and gender diverse community and trans women are portrayed in the media and the kinds of stereotypes that are very, very harmful about what it means to be trans and gender diverse. I mean, I find it extraordinary that in the midst of a crisis and if we look at this internationally with what's happening in America, we are currently caught up in a debate about what it means to be a woman and whether or not trans and gender diverse women should be included or not. And this seems to be a front page conversation happening amongst some very rich individuals on an international arena And it just seems extraordinary that considering the circumstances around COVID-19, what's happening to democracy in America, that this is the one thing that we seem to be focusing on, rehashing arguments about gender and sex. We need to have conversations or we need to talk as a community of women about how we move forward through this and not have return to conversations that are exclusionary because we know that they don't work. We know that the options that we do have is to move forward together and not to try to single out any particular group as as not being legitimate or having a place amongst other women.
0: And is that what you were meaning earlier by talking about allies? Would you like to expand on that a little?
1: Yeah, I guess it's a difficult one to know. I think we at the Gender Centre work in a state of crisis in a lot of ways because we're always responding to the needs of the community and the most disadvantaged needs of the community. We're always trying to respond to the kinds of harmful and negative publicity or media that continues to kind of bombard. And we're always trying to find ways to shore up our families, and to make sure that there's a safety net of a family around a transgenderverse young person. So allies, yes, people who get themselves informed, who ask questions, who will speak up. Or often it's that kind of family discussion that we hear back about, where at, at Christmas or at a birthday party, someone might start up about transgenderverse young people or trans people in general, and It's that voice of, well, actually, that's not true. Or if, you know, if you did some research or you had a bit of a look, you might actually learn something really important about diversity.
0: That's a great note to finish on because what we hope in all of these podcasts is that, one, we do help inform that we all learn something new, but that all of us, whatever our position in the world and whatever our identity in the world are allies to each other in in being who we are and being an active positive bystander not just allowing things to go unchallenged and I think it's a really important and strong position to finish on and and I'd just like to thank you so much Eloise for helping us to discuss to think about the well-being of trans and gender diverse women both during COVID-19 and before and after but particularly into the the next decade as we become better human beings we hope so look thank you so much
1: you're welcome
0: and I would like to thank everyone who listened to this podcast today thank you for joining us bye For more information about this podcast, our guests and upcoming episodes, please visit the UNSW Equity, Diversity and Inclusion website.